Hello everyone, I hope you're doing really, really well. So this is editing Olivia here. I just wanted to pop in super quickly and um, let you know that we had some technical difficulties with this podcast. Um, in particular, uh, part of Assumpter's audio didn't record for the first couple of minutes. So I've cut it in a way that you can hear me and I'm going to introduce the topic and get us into the first topic. But I'm just letting you know that um, Assumpter is here. She is on the podcast. It's just that she's going to come in um, in a couple of minutes time after I've introduced the first topic. So just bear that in mind. And the second thing is that we have both just moved. Um, so that means that you might be able to hear a little bit of room echo because we're both in very empty, um, soon to be furnished places. So I do apologize. Call it growing pains of the podcast. We will improve and grow, but please do stick around because these two topics that we're going to talk about today are so incredibly interesting and we really, really want to know your thoughts on them. So I'll stop waffling now and let's get into it. Life is a Party podcast, the home of Black love and celebration. My name is Olivia DeSantos and I'm joined here by my lovely co-host, Assumpta Vidku. So we're going to talk about two major topics. Um, one is uh, from a Reddit thread, um, an Am I the Arsehole thread, where a wedding photographer deleted all of the photos from a wedding that they were shooting because the couple would not feed them. And this has caused so much debate and so much discussion. So we're going to start with that. And towards the end, we're going to be talking about this viral video happening in the black sphere, um, all about the promise of black love, or rather the false promise of black love, and the way that we prioritize um, black relationships and black media. And Asumpto and I wanted to discuss our relationship to the term black love. And um, if we believe that we are contributing to that rhetoric, of, you know, black people for black people kind of thing. So it's a very juicy, very, very controversial podcast. We're really looking forward to hearing your opinions, comment, share, you know, tell us all all of your thoughts. We really want to know. Um, so let's start with, <laughs> let's start with the wedding photographer. This is really funny. So this is editing the video again. I'm just going to read out the Reddit post so that we have a reference of what actually happened in this particular scenario. And I'll also leave it in the show notes so you'll see the link for the show notes. So am I the asshole for deleting my friend's wedding photos in front of them? 
I'm not really a photographer. I'm a dog groomer. I take lots of photos of dogs all day to put on my Facebook and Instagram. It's my thing, if that makes sense. A cut in a photo with every appointment. I seldom shoot things other than dogs, even if I have a nice setup. A friend got married a few days ago and wanting to save money, asked if I'd shoot it for them. I told them it's not really my forte, but he convinced me by saying that they didn't really care if they were perfect. They were on a string shoestring budget and I agreed to shoot it for $250, which is nothing for a 10 hour event. On the day of, I'm driving around following the bride as she goes from appointment to appointment before the ceremony, taking photos along the way. I shoot the ceremony itself, and during the reception, I'm shooting speeches and people mingling. I started around 11am and was due to finish around 7.30pm. Around 5pm, food is being served, and I was told I cannot stop to eat because I need to be the photographer. In fact, they didn't even save me a spot at any table. I'm getting tired and at this point I kind of regretting doing this for next to nothing. It's also unbelievably hot. The venue is an old veterans legion and it's like 110 Fahrenheit and there's no AC. I told the groom I need to take off for 20 minutes to get something to eat and drink. There's no bar or there's no open bar or anything. I can't even get water and my two water bottles are long empty. He tells me I need to either be photographer or leave without pay. With the heat, being hungry, being generally annoyed at the circumstances, I asked if he was sure. He said yes. So I deleted all the photos I took in front of him and took off saying I'm not his photographer anymore. If I was to be paid $250, honestly, at that point, I would have paid $250 just for a glass of cold water and somewhere to sit for five minutes. Was I the asshole? They went right on their honeymoon and they've been off social media, but a lot of people have been posting on their wall asking about photos with zero responses. And that is the post in its entirety. And then you've got other people commenting. And I only read a few of them, but the general consensus seems to be, no, you're not. (laughs) That he was valid in what he did. What do we think? Fascinating. (laughs) I think this is so, it's such an interesting discussion. I think that, well, when we polled our audience and when we've been seeing the responses, um, I think that most people agree that perhaps deleting the photos was a step too Mm -hmm. far. And I, I mean, when I read it, I was just like, now nah, you're not the asshole at all. Like I, I, I completely understand. I'm not saying that I condone photographers deleting photos in front of the couple that was, you know, and, but I have a lot of empathy for feeling that exhausted and that tired, that thirsty, that hungry and making a decision that you might regret later. So I understand that. However, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there are so many levels to this that I'm just like, how do you not allow your photographer to eat? How do you not, for one, how do you not feed your photographer? How do you not take the responsibility of feeding your photographer? But secondly, when the photographer says that they are going to go and get their own food, because that's what happened, they're going to go and get food. And he says, no, you have to be the photographer or you're leaving without pay. That is insane to me. That is such an awful, awful way to treat anyone, and particularly someone who is doing you a favor, particularly someone who is, in quote unquote, your friend. What? That was the bit I found the most challenging because it began with a friend was in dire need and asked, like begged you to do this favor. And then when we got to the end, when I was reading it and I thought, they don't even want to feed you. That's not your friend. It's like, we need to stop throwing this word friend around so loosely. This is an acquaintance who you happen to know who has asked a favor of you and you've said yes, but it's definitely not your friend. Um, so may possibly maybe it was a friend because him saying they didn't save him a seat anywhere. So there was an expectation of him to be sat at a table at some point. Um, so perhaps they were friends, but that was just not really how you treat people particularly somebody you would want to call a friend I was quite taken aback by it um but like you I think the deletion of the photos was a step too far but I totally understand why they left completely I understand why they left I understand I I am a very hangry person I am someone who gets very very incensed when I'm hungry so I can understand the irrationality behind that but so when we pulled out polled our audience and also just seeing the mood around on Instagram, there was some extremely interesting responses. Um, some of which didn't understand the full context. So some of which, you know, they were saying that um that the photographer shouldn't expect food, you know, it's not and it's not expectation that we pay for your for your food. Um, but that's not actually what was going on here. The photographer was offering to go and get their own food and the couple was refusing to let them go. So, you know, that's, but even so, uh, covering food is kind of a basic standard within the wedding industry. And I want to, I really want to stress this point because it seems like a shock to everyone. Um, that wedding suppliers actually ask to be fed and watered during a wedding day, which can be minimum 10 hours, sometimes 24 hours, as we know, as we've done together. Um, we need food. And one of the one of the responses to this that I I love so much is, oh, but I don't get paid, I don't get fed at my job I don't get fed at my nine to, nine five. to five I don't get yeah. fed at my uh, at my shift you know that kind of thing and to that I would say I'm not saying that you shouldn't be fed at your nine to five either like, I, yeah. <laughs> 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 
But do you know what's funny, actually? Because some people do get fed at their nine to five. They do. Like my yeah. husband at his job now. I think exactly. it's not something we offered previously, but post pandemic slash we're still in the wake of that. They get give them free food. I mean, at Google, they give you food. So some companies do give you food. But my initial response to that, um, I don't get fed at my nine to five. I, I said, but if you decided to... But I guess I had the context and they didn't. I said, but if you decided to go and take your lunch break and get food, nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to question you. But as a wedding supplier, if we decide, oh, I'm going to take my hour break now or even 30 minute break or you want to leave to get food, everybody's looking at you like, where are you going? They don't want you to leave, especially if you're not necessarily like in a city or, you know, you're out in some manor house or in some, what do you call them, quintas? Yeah, um, the venues in, yeah, in Portugal. Quinta. Yeah, if you're out in the mountains somewhere, like where are you yes. going? <laughs> like what? Where are you? How far must you drive to go and get food? And depending on the time, in hopes that the nearest little village has a store that's open to give you the food, and then you have to wolf it down and go back, or maybe eat it as you're driving. Like it's a really uncomfortable position to put somebody in when you can just be courteous and um, offer them food, even if it, you were in a city location. Um, if we are in the same room as you or at least in the same building, we're more likely to eat quicker and come back quicker. And so if somebody, if Auntie Judy or Uncle Femi decides they're giving you some surprise speech and um, or whatever is happening, because you don't know what surprises other people might have planned for you, your photographer, videographer and anybody else or planner and or coordinator is still in the vicinity to be able to help with this or to capture the moment. But if we need to leave to go and get food, um, then you might miss these things and you have to be okay with that if you don't want to feed people. Absolutely. Like, it's just... And one of the things that... It just seems so automatic to me. You know, if someone is working in your house, you offer them water or, you know, something like that. If someone is shooting your wedding day like there's a a whole day it's a really long day we're on our feet all day it was it's just such a natural and automatic thing to me that that person eats and remember that we're not suppliers are not requesting a three-course meal you know often star food is very very simple it's much cheaper than your guest food as well we're not getting the same thing that you do although in Side fact, in Portugal, we do often. Um, in Portugal, we do actually have the same things as the guests, but at a huge discount. So we get the um, the discounted price, but we often eat the same thing because it's easier for the venue to serve everything the same. But in the UK, for example, you're having something very, very basic at a very, very small price. And yeah, it's something that is designed to be eaten quickly so that we can get back to working. Um, And yeah, I just I, I, I just don't understand. And I really want people to to comment and and tell me why you feel like you wouldn't feed someone who is working for you for 12 hours plus and if your argument is that you don't get paid you don't get fed at your 12-hour job um then address that 
because you should be. I used to work as a hostess for um, for some central London restaurants. If you work over eight hours on a shift, they have to feed you legally. They have to feed you. Um, so we had to be fed in in that situation. Um, so you know. I would investigate because that doesn't sound right to me. If you're salaried, it's a different thing. If you're an hourly worker and you're working over eight hours, you're supposed to be fed. So. Hmm. I think somebody else I had this discussion with, I think one of their issues was the fact that, um, yeah, the, the whole payment thing, but also like why why do I now need to pay extra for you to be fed kind of like work it into your contract? But again, what we said just now, in case it wasn't clear, if they work, yeah, if supplier could work in um, food costs, like it, it could be just absor uh, absorbed into their final fee that they, that you would pay, but they would still need to leave to get the food. Uh, or is it that you're proposing they contact your caterer and say, hey, can you, um, prepare some food for me, how much is that gonna cost? And then they know that, that that's the amount that they've got to work into their contract. Like it would vary for every caterer. So how are we proposing that this happens? I would really love to hear the people who don't want to feed their suppliers or and some people genuinely just didn't even think about it. They didn't know it was a thing, but the people who feel so strongly about it, what would your um, proposal be? How would we want this to work? Is it that you maybe have like a half an hour, hour slot where your um, suppliers can just pop out and find some food? I, I'm not even going to say, oh, they eat the pack lunch that they bring. Yes, that is an option. But if you're working for six hours, like what sandwich is keeping in your car or in your backpack for that amount of time or pasta or whatever it is you're bringing, a salad will be all soggy and wilted by then. So we also need to take that into consideration. Um, somebody else who kindly responded in our DMs said that, you know, her brother, who's a photographer, he ensures that his team, he makes them all eat beforehand because nobody's allowed to eat while while they're on the job. Bearing in mind, this is not in the UK. This is in Nigeria, I believe. And then half the team um, eats while the other half is still working and then they switch. But what I pointed out was you're talking about large numbers of a team was I've seen weddings shot in Nigeria. There's like multiple people there but in the UK if you go as a solo person or maybe you have a second shooter maybe you could have one person eat and one person stay in that instance but if you're shooting alone there's no team to say oh you you just stand here while I go and have a quick sandwich you know it doesn't really work like that yeah so. and also something to bear in mind is that yeah for for the most part photographers are working by themselves in in the UK and Europe, in the US as well, you know, they, they're working by themselves or they have a second shooter. Maximum three mm -hmm. I've seen probably. Yeah. That's um, a, that's a but usually three. two, um, two or one or two. Um, but also bear in mind, like the time that you, that you are proposing that photographers are supposed to keep working, um, it's usually when you're eating and not many people want that many photos of <laughs> them 
eating their food like it's a really awkward thing to do um there's a difference between taking snapping a few shots of like presentation for example um which we do and we like you know we like to take photos of the food as they as it goes out but as people are eating you know we've got like a 20 minute window for starters maybe half an hour for main something like that um whilst people are actually properly eating you don't really want your photographer to be capturing all of that stuff it's just it's the awkwardest thing to be photographing people as they are you know open mouthed salad goes in or soup or whatever it's just weird so you know giving that slight respite to have a small plate of something as an offering to your to your suppliers is just it's just courtesy it's just nice and one of the things that I learned from a recent client is that by giving even if you yeah giving a little bit more but I don't I don't feel like this is giving to be honest I feel like it's a standard I feel like that as standards you should you should feed your suppliers but if you think that it's an extra giving that little bit extra will get you extra as well you get you give as good as you get so you know if you treat your suppliers well you will get the best service out of them they will go above and beyond for you and that is you know that's how you get the best service out of people so if you do think it's an extra do the extra what's wrong with doing the extra something else to throw into the mix that I shared with you before so someone I had this discussion with oh I saw them posting about it and jumped in into their dms it then became about race so it became a thing that black it's only black suppliers that ask for food because we feel a sense of entitlement and blah 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 there was there was like a whole thing and I just thought wait what because I know plenty of other like suppliers who are not black who have it in their contract that you need to feed me or you allow me to go out to get food so at least it's explicit people you're not shocked on the day you can have this conversation with your caterer if you are planning on feeding me um but it shouldn't be something that comes as a surprise to you later but i did really take exception with making it a race thing yeah that's ridiculous like i learned about you know making sure that supplies are fed from my very white very posh um cheshire wedding planner mentor which is where i started in the wedding industry in the luxury market um she was like it's a basic thing the clients need to pay for all suppliers on the day to be fed and it was just a basic thing it was a standard thing and she is a white woman and all of the people that we worked with was white it's not a race thing at all i I, I'm really offended that someone would say that it's a, a, a black entitlement thing. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't understand that at all. I've never seen it. I, I understand it, but I, I took offense to it. Um, I understand it because if you're only ever going to black weddings and you don't go to any other kind of weddings and you you tend to just only deal with black suppliers or have friends who only deal with black suppliers and that's the only place you've heard it, 
you're going to assume it's a black thing. But the person in particular who said it, she did have some white suppliers and she said that the suppliers didn't ask for food. But part of me, I don't know how that true, how true or not that is. I, I have a feeling it may well have been in their contract, but maybe you just kind of skewed <laughs> over it because it's in most people's contracts at this point. Um if you're actually working with people who send you contracts. Yeah. Um, because that's the other thing. Some people do not. They just hire people and you've got no contracts, so you have no terms. And then on the days when they're saying to you, oh, but what about food? Because as a standard, they've been fed in other places without question. But now they come to you and then you're like, wait, what do you mean? Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit taken aback that it then became a race thing. Because um, I was like, I know plenty of white suppliers who have an expectation of food as well so and I really were really disappointed when they didn't get it so I worked on a wedding in August where the photographers sorry videographers there were two of them working together um and they one of them was lamenting about a recent wedding they'd worked at where number one they didn't want to feed them initially despite it being in his contract and then when they did bring them food it was like some half baked like it wasn't baked but like it wasn't a well thought out soggy sandwich it wasn't nice at all it was just some sort of afterthought here you go you want food this is food kind of thing um and the wedding that we were working on um we had the same thing as the guests they gave us like a full three course meal we were sat there like oh wow this is really intense (laughs) but yeah it was it was a far cry from what they had been given in recent times yeah so we're going to debunk that right now like every yeah and they were all white the photographer yeah every supplier usually requests food sometimes it's to do with the hours so um if you're having like a four hour event they might not request food because it's like a short day Mm -hmm. for them but even musicians who are there for like an hour and a half will request food so there's something you need to bear in mind that's something you need to factor in factor it into your budget it is an industry standard I'm so sorry if you haven't heard of that before um but in the UK US um most of Europe it is an industry standard. So I'm sorry to break that to you, but you know, let us know your opinions. If you do genuinely think that suppliers shouldn't be fed, uh, we would love to know your arguments about that. And um, yeah, enlighten us. And let us know if it was a surprise to you when you started hearing about this. It seems to be a surprise to so many. Um so now also now that you do know now that you've listened to this whole conversation do you still feel bad like do you still feel strongly about not feeding suppliers or are you a bit more open to it now by all means let us know be great to continue the discussion yes absolutely well let's move on to the next piece of tea which is somewhat more philosophical i guess because this this is just operational stuff this is more philosophical so we're going to link it in the show notes but there was a YouTube video by a YouTuber called Mahogany Pink so shout out to her Uh, She did a YouTube video mostly aimed at the black American audience, but a lot of the principles tie over to the broader uh, diaspora, as we say. Um, And it was called The False Promise of Black Love. 
um, and her central tenet thesis of this is being that um, in the black community, we are, what's the word, pressured, encouraged to date within our race. So to date other black people, uh, to partner with black people. We have this hashtag black love thing um, where we celebrate melanated couples being together. And she made this fantastic video as in well-made video. I'm not saying that I agree with everything that she said, but she made this very, very well-made video. So please do watch it for context um, about how it may not be the best investment for for black women in particular <laughs> <laughs> to just hold out for black men. And obviously this is a very, very controversial topic and we've been talking about this for decades. We've been talking about this for years and years and years and years. You know, the fact that black women in particular are far less likely to get into interracial relationships. And is that hurting us as a people? Fascinating conversation. But what I wanted to address in particular, um, please, please, please watch the video. So at the beginning of the video, she mentions that the black media in particular are culpable, let's say, of perpetuating this image of black love that, you know, it's really, really celebrated in the black media. It's very prized, you know. Um, yes. So what I wanted to examine today, because we have black love in our <laughs> in our tagline, you know, we were calling ourselves the, yes. the home of black love. What is our relationship to the term black love? Do we agree with that, you know, marrying without, within our race and dating within our race and celebrating black couples, fully black couples only? Um, where, do, where are we in that conversation? So that's what I wanted to talk about for the rest of the podcast. Um, and you come at this from a very interesting perspective because you are married to a white man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Proudly so. I mean, <laughs> it is always really funny or interesting when people realise that my husband is not black, um, especially given that I am, I don't know what to say, I am so pro-black. Like, I am... Um, which I am. Um, what was I going to say? I was about to say as though I'm part of, and then I forgot the name of the movement from back in the day. Black Panthers? Um, Black Panther, <laughs> yeah. As though I'm some sort of Black Panther. Um, if that were the case, I wouldn't have been able to marry my husband. <laughs> but I, I, I do, oh, my relationship with hashtag Black Love, I admittedly was really sad <laughs> when we got engaged, thinking to myself that that hashtag is actually not, applicable to me or is not open to me I can't use that because I'm not marrying a black man but um I did actually have people 
infer or outright say to me in the early days that I must hate myself or hate my culture or hate, you know, my father, my brother, and all, all of this. Like you hate black men. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. <laughs> I love black men. You know, I have a very present, a very amazing father. Like I have a great brother who are black, both of them. Um, the My previous ser- serious relationships, black men. And no, they weren't horrible men. They were amazing men. Um, I They just weren't my husband. And um it wasn't a kind of so someone did actually ask me oh did you have really bad experience with black men is that why you've married a white man no 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 like it's got nothing to do with it I know there are people who do say things like that like oh I dated this one person um they were from Timbuktu so I'm never gonna date anyone who is even on the same continent as Timbuktu like that's like just unreasonable to me um I was definitely not one of those people I genuinely did believe that I would marry a black man like I I guess I I wasn't one of those people that dreamed about my wedding or anything of the sort. But if ever I thought about my future, I just I just assumed the person would look like me. I did not expect that they wouldn't. Um, It And so then I'm sure some people will be wondering, so how did I end up in that situation? I think it's because I've just always been open in terms of personalities and people that I get on with. To me, it wasn't a race thing. I am genuinely like just attracted to people, like as in I'm attracted to black people, I'm attracted to white people. I'll be honest, I'm not really, I'm not really a fan of lighties. I've said it, I've said it. It's just like a personal preference. So it's either you're black or you're white. So that's just like aesthetically for me. Um, just saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was his personality more than anything. And also, um, this is a little bit tangential, but also applicable. And um, people saying, "Oh, you must hate yourself, or you must hate your culture," because it's very possible to be with a white person who is actually racist, even though mm-hmm. you are black. I've seen it happen, and my husband wasn't. Um, he appreciated my culture. He was very understanding of it because it's super important to me, um, and he wasn't trying to stifle me, change me in any way. If anything, he did his own research and got to understand my culture more. So I. I could have very well married a black person from a completely different culture to mine, like maybe from the Caribbean, and they would have had to do the same yeah. thing. Like African culture and Caribbean culture, two completely different things. Um, but yeah, I am always really intrigued by people's response to me having a, or any woman, every, any black woman having a white husband. It's like, oh, could you not find a black man? Well, I probably could. <laughs> I, I have in the past. But this is the person I chose to marry, you know, and, and who also wanted to marry me. And the reason why I say that is because I was with some girlfriends yesterday and knowing that we were going to be having this discussion, I, um, we kind of alluded to it a little bit one of which had just gotten married, which is why we were around there. We were giving her her wedding presents and the other two are unmarried and single at the moment, you know, still living the life of like dating, trying to meet someone. And one made a point that I hadn't really thought about. She was just like, well, black men aren't attracted Mm -hmm. to me. She's a black woman. She's lovely. But she grew up in the north. She has a northern accent. And she was like, when they hear me, they're just not, they're just not attracted to me that they just don't seem to get me or they make certain assumptions about me which maybe Mm -hmm. aren't true so by virtue of that she's attracted to black men but if they're not attracted to her how how is she supposed to be how she expected to marry absolutely 
and this is it, right? This is it. There, there are, there's data to back this up. The fact that um, out of all races of men, um, black men are the most likely to date outside of their race. And they, Mm -hmm. and from anecdotal evidence as well, and it's also in that video, so please, please watch the video, please watch the video. Even if you just, (laughs) even if you completely disagree, just watch it because it's it's interesting. Um, The black men, because the eligible, marriageable black men are, less oh there are fewer of them than there are eligible marriageable black women so because Mm -hmm. they are the minority they are the prized ones they act like the prized ones and it means Mm -hmm. it means that we are less chosen by them um and so I come into this conversation from a completely different perspective because I feel like I didn't I didn't grow up in that sort of pressure um most of my family is interracial which is really an odd thing to say but I'm the only black child so I'm the only black grandchild um very small family like I said but all of my all of my cousins are mixed um so mixed Indian mixed Asian mixed white um all of them are mixed and my my mom and my aunties and uncles have all dated outside of their race it's just been a fact of life so that's never been Mm -hmm. unusual to me ever but I love black men as well I do (laughs) I've had a great time dating black men but at the same time it's the same thing I am not chosen by them consistently yeah so I will date a black guy. I will have fun with black men and event and inevitably it will just be fun forever. And that's not exactly what I want. And, and then I'll meet someone who is Asian or Indian or white or whatever, and they will choose me and I will date them and it will be something more serious and something more nurturing. I'm not saying that that can't happen in a black relationship and that I can't find a black man to do that. I probably can. I possibly can. I'm just not closed off ever to the possibility that it could be anyone. And interestingly enough, when you said that you imagined yourself with a black man, um, that's really interesting. I really... I've been examining how we imagine our lives to be and how we can be surprised. I'm... I change all of the time my flavor of who mm-hmm. my eventual spouse is going to look like. It could literally could be a cornucopia. If you look at my dating history, it could be anyone. <laughs> and it will be something really surprising, I think, um, in the end. Might be a black man. That might be the most surprising thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny you say that because I... 
now hearing you say that just took me back to primary school, like your first crush and all of that. So back then, if you'd asked me, I definitely would have married a white person <laughs> because like my first crush, first everything like, oh, yeah, like white boys. It was always I was just always really attracted to for some reason. It was what I saw on TV. It was what was in my school. It was what was around me. And also white boys like me. Yeah, <laughs> that was what it was. Um, but then I think I think. It wasn't until I, you said your statement just now that I thought to myself, hold on, why did I see myself, like my future self, with a black man? It's because I wanted what my parents have. Mm-hmm. My parents are both black and they have this awesome relationship and I wanted that. So in my mind, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to marry a black man and just like recreate this awesomeness. <laughs> so it didn't occur to me that like I can still do that with anybody. They don't necessarily have to be black like my father. Right, exactly. And it's, re- it's really funny, though, because my husband has a very similar character to my father, but he's white <laughs> and they get on really, really well. So I did actually mar- marry a man like my dad. He just happens to be a white man, that's all. Well, exactly. I think that, you know, appearances are so are so silly. And I think that this conversation... Um, I know that someone's going to get mad at it. Someone's going to be upset that, you know, we dare to say that, you know, black men are not choosing us. But let me let me just flip it around for a second. For the amount of black men that you see in interracial relationships, are you criticizing them the same way that you were criticizing Mm. black women for having this conversation? Because there are tons of black men that will date white women, date uh, Latinas and Asian women. And, you know, that's just their preference. They don't like black women. That's their preference. Um, Why is it that we're the ones that are being criticized whenever this conversation comes up there's always black women that are that are heavily criticized as opposed to black men for doing the exact same thing um and black men have been doing it for much longer so i agree why don't we get to have our happiness too yeah one of my friends did say that yesterday she said um which i hadn't thought about um that as you said black men have been dating outside of their race for much longer. And she feels that, um, I'm still trying to process this, I'm not sure how I feel any which way, but she feels that it takes a lot more for a black woman to date outside of her race. Like a lot more thought goes into it before she makes that decision. And also, um, even though some black men will say that they're not marrying black women because of X, Y, and Z, I don't like this. They'll openly say those things, Mm -hmm. but not to say that some black women don't do the same, but the majority don't, even if they feel it, Mm -hmm. they just feel, they still feel some sort of loyalty. So they won't say, I don't want to date black men for this very reason or whatever they'll just go off and date who they want to date right um but yeah i I still need to see more data on that it probably doesn't exist because i have seen some black women be like no i'm not i'm only dating white men because black men are blah blah blah. i've heard it i've seen it we've all seen it on trash tv but for the most part for the same ones or less hype women um yeah i think they probably keep their grievances to themselves because they don't want to contribute to the again these are generalizations here they don't want to contribute to the um negative stereotypes of our own race like you don't want to continue to drag us all down so it's fine if you have a grievance with x whoever name a man or woman um but you just leave them 
to their own devices and you carry on in your merry way doing what you want to do without having to like drag them through the mud or anything. Right. And that's why it really makes me laugh when we say that, you know, black women are not being loyal. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... No Chris Brown. These hoes are loyal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the most loyal thing is to find we're entitled to having our happiness but the most loyal thing is to have our happiness and not trash black men in the process but it's very rarely rare that it's the other way around you see these viral videos of these men saying that we have terrible hair and we didn't they didn't want kids with the with you know with 4c hair or whatever and didn't want kids with big lips and didn't want kids they wanted light-skinned well, kids and all this dark, kind of thing and i'm like yeah didn't and, that one does my head in <laughs> and black women are too, too too loud and too much and all this kind of thing like we've all seen that you don't see the same sort of rants about you know from black women to black men um usually they start the conversation if a black woman is about to justify themselves because we seem to have to justify ourselves to do this um it always starts with i love black women as we started this conversation yeah I love that's black true men. yeah it's like we have to add we have to preface our sentences by the way just letting you know <laughs> we actually do love our people <laughs> yeah that's true so why do we do that? Why do we <laughs> well, do that? Because we know that people are going to come for our necks. You don't love your people. Well, we do, actually. That's why, circling back to the whole point of this, that's why we started Arawambe. It's why. We want to show you black love, but like the modern version of it, it doesn't always mean that two black people will end up together and not marrying another black person does not mean you hate your blackness. Like, I love it. I love being black. I think it's awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's challenging. It's not without its challenges because the world is a crazy place. But, you know, black people are awesome. And black love should encompass every, every flavour of love that we have and yes. that's what we were really concerned about when we were building Arawombe we wanted to show black love the way that it is today not the way mm -hmm. that you know the the we dreamt of in the 1970s and 1960s and these beautiful black couples like our parents um that's just not the reality anymore the the you know the world is much more mixed and the dating landscape is much more mixed and the wedding landscape is much more mixed. And I, I cannot tell you how beautiful some of the weddings that we have coming up to, to, to publish are that are interracial relationships and the way that they talk about each other and the way that they've, they've mixed their culture, the way that they have, you know, created this union. I'm just so happy that they have found their happiness, you know, yes, definitely. That is the most and important I, thing. I agree. I feel like people shouldn't be denied that because of race. Imagine, could you imagine if they had decided they could only date somebody from their 
um, country or more specifically as would because I am Nigerian oftentimes it was like you have to date someone from your tribe like it's from your village <laughs> you know how difficult that is <laughs> in this day and age where we move around for work for school for all these different things is it that you're going to go back to the village to find somebody um, who because of your now broadened worldview you may not actually mesh with well Right. But you should marry them simply because you are both from the same village. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but that is still something that is encouraged, sadly, in this day and age. Um, I do know of um, acquaintances who have brought a loved one home, um, sorry, their partner home to as like, oh, this is the person I want to marry. And their parents just being like, where are they from? Nah, it's not going to happen. And just telling them no. And so you either have to fight for your love because um, you could be going through the same fight as an interracial couple mm-hmm. for your love, but you're both black um, or you let it go. And I do know some people who have let it go. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so hard. You know, somebody that you love enough that you want to marry, you've brought them to your family. And because your family just won't, are just your parents are like, nope, different tribe. It's not happening. They broke up. Oh my. I married someone from their tribe. That is hard. And I, I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that though. Like, you know, obviously we're coming from a relatively privileged uh, purview here. Definitely. You, you have very understanding parents. You have married a white man. We, you, you know, so you've crossed that yeah. bridge. I'm from a very interracial family. No one bats an eyelid. The last um, dalliance that I had um, was with a Filipino and you know my family all about it like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> I love that they're all about it yeah um, yeah well, as Olivia said we are speaking from a place of privilege I can't imagine I know it happens and I can sympathize but I literally cannot imagine having to make that choice between my family and somebody I love um, or want to be with because my family is super important to me but that is a lot of people's reality and that might be your reality um, if you are listening to this um, some of you who are listening I should say and we don't want to belittle or minimize what you'd be going through Um, I'm not I actually can't give any advice in that situation because as Olivia said, I did get to marry who I wanted without any, um, what's the word? There wasn't any opposition. Mm. It was just like, okay, is he a good man? Those were the questions. Like they asked other, they were character-based questions. Like, you know, is he a good man? What does he do with his life? You know, that kind of stuff that you, Mm -hmm. the same things they would have asked if he was black. Mm -hmm. It it actually didn't really matter. I think they were a little bit shocked or taken aback, but then like they got over it pretty quickly. There was never a, you can't marry him because of that. So, um, yeah, which unfortunately some of my friends have had to endure. And one did marry her white he she was Nigerian too and her husband um was white and her 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 mum just didn't come to her wedding oh wow that's so Mm. hard that's yeah really really hard It's, it's a really challenging decision to have to make like the family that you were born into and that you have been there throughout your whole life or the do you choose the family that you're trying to create now because like once you marry somebody you become a family of your own like what do you do yeah it's it's hard. I don't have any advice. 
I and we'd love to hear your experiences of that actually because I think it'd be really interesting if you're if you are listening to this and you're just like yeah well you know it's all good and well for you to say um I want to hear it I want to hear it like please tell us your story because it's important to have these sorts of conversations I don't think we're doing it enough um but for the people who can outside of their race or rather they mm-hmm. they they don't feel the same society they don't feel the same family pressure um to date black people um i want to know um okay thought experiment right um not everyone is religious but let's you know just 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 go with me here uh, you have come to the end of your life and you are at the pearly gates and <laughs> Archangel Gabriel is there with his big long scroll and he wants to show you all of the potential cellmates that you could have had in your life. Um, and I believe that there are many people out there for us. I don't think it's a, just a one thing, but maybe that's a different discussion. But I say agree there, there are many, many soulmates. He's going to show you your lineup, right? And it's just a rainbow, okay? You have every every possible person. You have all of these people that you could have been happy with that you overlooked because you were looking for that one black person. I want to know how you feel, how you would feel in that moment, you know? Would you feel like, oh, well, I did, you know, I did what I felt was right and I felt I'm I'm all about the black love thing? Or would you feel slightly disappointed, slightly disappointed in yourself that you didn't go for these people that could have been fabulous for you simply because they are the wrong skin color? I just think it's, I, I, I cannot imagine getting to the pearly gates and overlooking so many people that could have been wonderful because they're not how I imagined my love to be. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm open. That is my reasoning. That is my justification. I want to understand your justification for sticking to it. And don't get me wrong. I have, I, my first relationship was with a white man. And then after that was with two black men and don't get me wrong, there's definitely a, a, a big difference when you get with a black man, particularly when my my first relationship was not, you know, someone who was woke, let's say, right? <laughs> so the white guy that I was dating was not, was definitely fetishizing me and all of those sorts of things. So I didn't have a good experience with him. And so when I did date black men, I was just like, oh, he gets me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. We can joke about That's stuff. So and, you know, I remember walking into a pub with one guy once um, with this black guy that I was dating. And we walked into this pub and realized that everyone around us was white. You know that feeling when you just like, yeah. ooh, right? And we just looked at each other and we left and we were just walking away in silence for a couple of minutes and then it's like were we the only black people in that room it's like yeah it was really really uncomfortable and so having those sorts of moments is great it's fantastic yeah I love that I love being able to click with someone on that level so I understand if that is your reasoning but like 
as Samta said, you can find people who are willing to understand your culture, willing to step into your mm-hmm. shoes. Um, like I said, the dalliance that I had with my with the Asian guy, I learned so much. I learned to count in Chinese and I learned some really cool cultural things. <laughs> and we did exchanges and we learned about each other's food and stuff like that. That's also super fun and super awesome to have in a relationship. So I don't know, just balance it, I guess. You know, um, for context, for any American listeners, when we say Asian in the UK and Europe, we don't mean Indian. <laughs> That's why we say Indian separately. When we say Asian, we're talking about like the Orient. Yeah. Like East Asian. China. Yeah. We're talking yeah. About East Asian, not South Asian. So <laughs> that because I realized Americans sometimes are like Asian. What do you mean? Like they think we mean Indian. Ah, yeah. The reason why I say that is because the white man I am married to has an American accent and his references are all American. <laughs> so when I used to say Asian, he'd be like, that's not an Asian person. I'm like, yes, it is. What do you mean? <laughs> and then so that I just every time you said Asian, I thought about it. And something else, actually, that I found within our relationship is that my white husband is Eastern European. So he actually understands a lot more than for example, if I had married a white British man, there is a complete difference. Right. Because I've dated a white British man and there is a huge difference between that and dating yes. my husband. <laughs> because my uh, my husband understands persecution. <laughs> yes. As an Eastern European man, he understands prejudice, persecution. Mm-hmm. And like, he's fine until he opens his mouth or people see his name because mm-hmm. then they know that you are othered. Like he's white so he can pass, like he can walk into a room and you will be treated a certain way. But once they see your name or that you open your mouth then they know that you're not white British and then you know the persecution comes or if they find out you're Eastern European it's like you're taking our jobs go back mm-hmm. to your country kind of thing mm-hmm. so it is similar in in that regard like we we connect on that level like he understands microaggressions maybe not quite in the same way I did have to do some explaining <laughs> but um he, he it's not a far removed concept to him because he has been um stereotype because of the fact that he's Eastern European you know he has had to go through certain things because of that so I think from that side of it or in terms of our relationship specifically anyway I I did feel like we had a bit more in common and we could we had a a different kind of understanding Um, but yeah as Olivia said earlier I would love to hear from those of you who are navigating this space who maybe are having family issues you know trying to introduce your partner to your family or the ones who have passed through the fire you mm. you had the uncomfortable conversations and interactions and then you got married anyway like we would love to hear how you navigated that space because we would like to pass that information on to our listeners and our readers how how because we are not in a position to help but maybe you can yeah please write in like we'd love to revisit this conversation and hear about your experiences um if you're dating and you're not you know if you're like me and you're dating you're not engaged or or married or anything um how how does race factor into your your decisions when you make dating decisions you know if you're chasing Mm -hmm. that black love um how's it going 
you know <laughs> yeah how is it going <laughs> let us know where the good black men and women are so those the people who ask us we send them that way if that is your preference <laughs> yeah absolutely so i want to end on kind of affirming that the way that we think of black love um at our one bay and the brands that we're building and the the publication that we're building is that we celebrate black love in all its forms and that includes age sexual orientation genders and races so as long as there is one black person in that in that couple that is a black love Mm -hmm. hashtag black love couple to us um yeah that black person is in love and we love that they are in love that is as far as it goes um if you feel let us know your opinions about that as well because we are entering the black media and we it is kind of rare to see a lot of interracial relationships on the big black wedding blogs and the big uh yeah black couple blogs so let us know your it opinions is because about i remember that. when we were getting married we could not see any <laughs> we didn't see very many of them yeah yeah so you know but that is the way that we're going to go forth and that is our philosophy absolutely um so yeah we love that and that's the that's our reality so we're going to reflect that on our pages but we also have a lot of melanated love on our page as well like a lot we love to see it (laughs) so send us more guys don't be shy you you need not send to all the they're amazing as well but you know send to us (laughs) we want to see it too (laughs) yeah so we're all we're all welcome here i hope that you feel that way um so is there anything else that you want to say on the topic of hashtag black love black love uh no i still don't think i would be brave enough to use that hashtag um even though i am black i am in love um yeah i i still feel like but it, I, I definitely don't think you guys, if you are in an interracial relationship, do what makes you comfortable. If you want to be able to use it, you can. Because as a live, I really love that last sentence you said, like one of the last things you said about um, if there's one person who's um, black in the relationship and they are black and they're in love, then we love to see it. Like, I, I love that. It's true. That's exactly us, you know. Um, that's it. I think you've said everything that needs to be said on this. We are trying to present modern black love in all its facets you know yeah we're not exclusionary out here so we hope that you'll be a part of that journey and so we are going to change our little tagline we've also started every podcast and on the instagram we had been the home of black love and celebration we're going to change that to redefining black love and celebration because i think that it fits more we think it fits more with what we do and what we're trying to do we're trying to redefine that term black love includes everyone every couple that has one black person in it and the way that we celebrate as well we've got lots of different styles of celebrating not just the typical one that we see we've got so many alternative ways to celebrate your weddings and alternative ways to celebrate your events and we want to represent them all so yes yes we do we're multi-dimensional out here 
<laughs> yes, we are mo- not a monolith, as we say. So. Yes, agreed. So there are lots to chew on in this podcast. Yes, a lot. <laughs> I'm excited to see what people say. So please do share and comment and just chat with us, DM, email us, you know, talk to us on the Arawan Bay website. We really want to know your opinions about this and we will revisit any topic that anyone wants to discuss in the future. Um, I'm going to leave all of the links, all of the relevant links. So from the Am I the Asshole at the beginning of the podcast and the video of the Black Love from Mahogany Pink. Um, I'll leave that in the show notes for your reference. Um... But until next time, which I think is next week. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Next week, <laughs> we'll talk about something less controversial, more, more educational, <laughs> probably. Uh, until next time, it's been lovely. We will speak to you very, very soon. We'll speak soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye.